Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 5th of March 2012. For newcomers, make use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find hundreds of audios for download, all for free. And if you can bear with it and go through a lot of them, you'll start to understand the system you're born into and why these massive changes are taking place in your lifetime. Because I go into the histories of the organizations and the bankers, the cabals that got together well over a 100 years ago to form this new system. They called it then a new order of things, a new world order. And, uh, of course, they don't mean simply a globalized order. That's only one part of it. It's a unified, tyrannical, uh, scientifically run uh, order across the world where children will be and have already actually been trained from birth by the social indoctrination and scientific indoctrination through schooling and subsequent media to behave and believe and act in a certain manner. You're living through it all the time, and I don't have to explain the changes that most folk have noticed, but that's how it's to be done. And they copied the Soviet system. The same banks that formed this new world order also funded the Soviet system. There was a lot of money in communism, believe you me, and, uh, and they found it up and, and set it up in, in from the very beginning. So I go into the histories of the main groups that got together, formed the cabal with academia too, and think tanks working for them, and, um, and how they plan to bring it all in. And there's so many targets to reach to do with uh, not just financial targets as well, and total financial integration of the planet, but also uh, they've, they've achieved a lot of it through their schooling worldwide, same schooling agenda, and they hope to force it through. But it's not working in certain areas, and they'll have to iron out all the problems, problems which to them are pretty insignificant at the top, but mean a, an awful lot to you at the bottom because uh, you all suffer as you go through these massive changes. So, as I say, help yourself to those sites. And remember, too, if you want transcripts for print-up, they all carry transcripts in English. Go into alanwattsentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. And remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can buy the books and discs that I have at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can order by a personal check. It's probably the last country left. You can still trade with a personal check as Canada to the U.S. and Canada. And you can also use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada or PayPal or the send cash across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Member straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome. And chronicling, this is really interesting, as I say, when you realize that big players, some of them long dead now, set up the very system we're living through now. And it was literally, they took the the whole world apart, so to speak, uh, into different uh, sections of the world and what makes up humanity, cultures, everything, and decided how to alter every culture at the same time uh, and bring them all together in the same road at the same time for this period in the, uh, the world, actually. 
So one world government, uh, one world trading system, that's what they call free trade, through the World Trade Organization, the United Nations, and again, a common uh, world culture uh, that will still go on to the next phase where they'll literally train you, pick you from school and train you in what they decide uh, that you're good at or what they need you for, and that's all you'll be trained. And you don't need geography or history if you're going to be made into a certain, a certain operator or technician or whatever. That's literally how it's to be done. Scientifically controlled society and very totalitarian in, in this particular period of it in transition, the period of transition, I actually call it that. And um, it's a mixture of, of George Orwell and Brave New World all at the same time. So it's, it's got both parts working t- together as we go through the changes. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and there's been so many exposés of banking fraud recently that uh, it's, you almost start to yawn after a while, we get so used to it, we've we lived through the, the frauds, we're still living through frauds because banking is a fraud to start with, but uh, now and then they come out with little bits for the general public on mainstream to, to see, and I don't know if it affects them or not, I haven't heard back from people who have seen this little uh, link I'm going to put up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the broadcast, but it says that Federal Reserve banker fraud exposed in the mainstream. So it's one of the, the few times they actually bring it up in the mainstream and show you some of the, the big boys of the Federal Reserve of the U.S., for instance, and what they've been involved in through all these different scams that are going on. So I'll put that up tonight, and you can see for yourselves. But there's so many, as I say, you can't even cover them all. Uh, it's just getting out of hand. It says another article here, I'll put this, all these links up in fact tonight. One is banking chief resignations are now up to 102 worldwide. And it's quite interesting to read through this article from all over the world. They were all involved in the same scams, like a, like a massive cabal at the same time that helped sink the planet. And of course the big boys uh, who started it all are still reigning pretty high and powerful and they're untouchable unless we change the system. And that will never happen because they, they own the system. You, you live in their system, you see. They're all psychopaths and it's a psychopathic world which they created. They roots, of course. And another article about banking, too, is to do with banks' benefit from fighting nursing home crime. That You wouldn't believe all the scam. See, the average person who, who's kind of linear in thinking, and that's how you're trained to be in this system, so that you can't see the scams, you'd never think of them. Uh, the boys who don't think linearly, you know, the ones who handle the cash and have a lot of, um, we say, familial uh, abilities to do so, they can see around any situation and how to profit. It's just like they came out with this slogan, in fact, how do we profit from this disaster? The same slogan you'll hear coming out from the Council on Foreign Relations. How do we benefit from this disaster? Same thing, you see. And here you have nursing home uh, crime. No kidding, this is what they're into. Banks are benefiting from fighting nursing home crime. Of course, it's a scam. You know, it's a scam. But says banks have found an unusual way to comply with the Community Reinvestment Act, the CRA, the federal law that requiring them to bolster the economies of low-income neighborhoods. 
they're funding a program dedicated to fighting crime in nursing homes. While critics say the program circumvents the spirit of the CRA, backing by U.S. financial regulators has helped the Senior Housing Crime Prevention Foundation, a foundation, right? Wonderful charities, these things are, sign up 250 banks in 47 states to lend or invest almost $350 million for its Senior Crime Stopper program. No kidding. The money pays for personal lockboxes for nursing home residents, 24-hour crime reporting hotline, and entertainment, including karaoke machines and video game machines. Banks that don't comply with the CRE, which took effect in 1977, must face restrictions when they seek to expand, while some large banks, such as Sun Trust Bank and BB&T, participate in senior crime stoppers, their program has special appeal for institutions with a few billion dollars in assets that may have difficulty competing with bigger banks for CRE-qualified investments, foundation officials say. Spokesman for Trust Sun and BB&T declined to comment. Banks that donate to the foundation are doing little to, to promote economic development, says Peter Skillern, Executive Director of Community Reinvestment Association of North Carolina, a non-profit advocacy group. I wonder if they pay themselves. I should have to go and see what they pay themselves. It's just knocks your socks off. Anyway, banks giving um, money to senior crime stores to get uh, CRA credit for more than they actually contribute. Of course they do. It's what the banks do. They park their donations in government bonds or other instruments of their choosing and keep any returns above a 1% fee they turn over to senior crime stoppers. The organization uses its cut to pay for lockboxes and other programs' expenses. The banks get their principal back in several years and regulators routinely give them credit for the full amount on deposit with the program rather than just the 1% in interest they effectively donate. So you can read through it yourself. And, and you'll see so everything out there, I'm not kidding you, especially under the, under the guise of doing good in charities or foundations, has a completely different agenda, apart from filling their own pockets. But there's things you never think about. They see, they smell, they must smell like a, a predatory wolf. They smell with those fresh prey, and in they go. That's how banks really work. We all really do know this, though, don't we, I, I hope, after all this time. And, you know, people talk about fixing the system. I've said you, you can't fix the Tower of Babel. It's held together by you know, scotch tape and glue and all the rest of it. It's so corrupt. This foundation is corrupt, this monetary system. The same monetary system that gave us nations, really, in a sense, because many nations um, were conquered in ancient times on the condition uh, that the conquering army would pay to the, to the guys that were in, in hawk with, the, the moneylenders, so many slaves, etc. Plus, they'd introduced cash money, coin, into the conquered. Lots of people never bored with money. They didn't need it at one time, you see. But it, but it goes on and on and on. And, and what I'm saying is the whole system is, is bound up on classes. It creates classes naturally. And then when you get an upper class that becomes a permanent upper class, they have a different way of looking and thinking and, and training on every possible topic beneath them. They believe it's the right to plunder the planets and plunder the, the, the less you know human, human types. That's what they call us. You're not really quite human at the bottom. But it, what it fosters is massive corruption, which they think is the right at the top to do, by the way, being good predators and all. And if you look from the Darwinian perspective, if you really believe in that, then they would be right. They're the top survivors. They don't care how they survive. They're survivors. 
and technically, like a good predator, they would be uh, they would be up at the top of Darwin's um, most favoured species kind of idea for preservation for the future. But everything is corrupt beneath it, as I say. Here's one here to show the corruption. Uh, foreigners are to get £20,000 HIV drugs for free on the National Health Service in Britain uh, in proposals to stop the spread of the disease. Now, it's Big Pharma, for instance, that's raking in the cash there. They sign the deals with the government to take so much of their medications in and, and deploy them. And, of course, it's a great, it's a sales pitch. That's what it is. It's a sales make. And they've made a sale to governments. And they push for these things. To, to. Meanwhile, Britain, Britain now will have more folk coming in to get uh, National Health Service treatment for free to Britain. And the country's already broke many times over. It's the National Health Service is shredded to the bone, basically. And you can't fix it. It's just too far gone, as far as I'm concerned. They can't dig themselves in the hole fast enough. Uh, because big lobby groups pester governments and, and keep at them. And, of course, money changes hands because guys in government are corrupt as well. You can't get on as people going into government. And that's my uh, opinion on things. You can't get it. They know what they're going into. And they know from their little dalliances with uh, helping political parties that it is corrupt and money changes hands all over the place. And it's nothing to do with what they say it is. It's nothing to do with helping the public. We want to help the population. It's corrupt. Let's be honest about things. It truly is. And there's, there's so much about uh, and so many conflicts of interest of, on the guys that they put in charge of special things today that you cannot keep it honest anyway. They're getting exposed all the time, but it doesn't matter when they're exposed. They continue in their positions. And... And nothing, nothing ever, ever stops, as I say. I've got so many, so many articles here about it. Here's one, for instance. National Health Service Fairness Czar, because he's appointed, right? This is a new system. You have appointees in democracies. He's, this, is, this is a guy who, who is in charge of giving the contracts to all the different pharma companies and, and, and equipment makers for medicine. And he's, he's supposed to be completely free of, of interest. Uh, to do with all the guys he deals with and takes massive, some, you know, gives contracts out too. And here's National Health Service Fairness Sarah, is urged to quit by doctors over conflict of interest following £799,000 payment for US private health giant. So here's a guy in Britain working really, uh, wearing two or three hats. And uh, it's called the fairness guy, the doctor. The fairness doctrine for is is impartial to lobbyists, supposedly, right? It says here the head of the National Health Service regulator that is meant to ensure fairness when private sector firms bid for pu- uh, public contracts. They're worth millions of dollars, right? It's also the chairman of a large company whose health service business is worth 80 million pounds a year, and set to increase massively. As the chairman of the National Health Service Cooperation and Competition Panel, Lord Carter of Coles is paid £57,000 for two days' work each week. Isn't that not, that's not a bad paycheck for the National Health Service. Right? You can't afford bandages, etc., and you're cutting staff to the bone, but you can, you can pay this guy, this, this, this character, £57,000 for two days' work huh? every week. 
but his other role as chairman of the UK branch of the American healthcare firm McKesson is more generously rewarded. Last year it paid him £799,000. Even this is not the end of Lord Carter's private healthcare interests. He's chairman of the Bermuda Registered Primary Group Limited, a private equity investment company that owns big slices of other healthcare firms. And, and he's an advisor to Warburg Pincus International. That's a biggie. Um, another investment fund with large health interests. His income from these sources is not publicly disclosed. Well, it can't be because it's now in the millions. The CCP describes itself as an independent, transparent and effective advisory board or body committed to using fair and transparent processes. If the controversial health and social care bill now making its way through the House of Lords becomes law, it will be merged with another national health service body called Monitor. Big news with Monitor because you have to go and see. These are the guys who deal with the Fortune 500 companies. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix and just talking about the Tower of Babel that runs the world and how corrupt it's been and is and presumably as long as it stands it always will be. I can't see it changing voluntarily. It won't happen. It won't ever happen. But that's the real world we live in. It's full of corruption and the corrupt people who are successful are all at the top. They're, They're good psychopaths, you see. And... Uh, reading an article about Britain and its National Health Service and how the guy in charge of tendering out big, big cash to corporations to supply the National Health Service with various medical items and so on is wearing two or three hats at the same time and getting paid by private companies. He's lobbying himself, basically. And uh, he's got lots and lots of loot, of course, which they can justify, even only he works two days a week, he can justify his massive salary. But anyway, I'll put that up tonight to let you see an example of how corrupt things are. You can't fix these systems, you understand. And I'll put somebody in after him that's related to him or his company, and then he'll be in. It's the same in the U.S. with with the Drug Administration and, and the FDA. It's all staffed by guys who work for Big Pharma. It's the same thing. They've even put out exposés on on video about them, where they, where they phone up the ones they know will vote for a certain drug to get passed because they all work for the same pharma and they've got so many members on the board of the FDA. It happens all the time. Everything that you think is real to protect you is a con. It's for the it's for the wolves at the top. That's all. Quite quite simple. Quite easy to understand. If you want to you know get your face out of watching Disneyland movies or something. It's a real world. Now, Catholic schools, of course, are really going through a change now. In fact, the whole Catholic Church is going through a massive change uh, to, to comply with the New World Order. It's a much more gentler, kindler, all-embracing, as they say, at uh, Catholic Church. But one of the students at Catholic school was suspended for promoting modesty. And I'm not kidding you. It says, uh, last month on Valentine's Day, student Paul Gomil circulated 136 copies of a speech he had written. He passed them out in the cafeteria of his Toronto area Catholic High School. The speech was on the topic of a woman's inner beauty. 
Mr. Gomel, 17, clearly believes that many of his female peers do not treat each other or themselves with due respect, and he wishes that everyone would focus more on how wonderful they are on the inside and not how attractive they can make themselves on the outside. And he goes on about peer pressure and what they see from Hollywood, telling them there's the beauty of a woman, etc. And anyway... For circulating the speech, a link to which can be found below, Mr. Gomil was suspended for two days. There'll be no modesty here, basically, is the answer here. The reason for the suspension, opposition to authority, apparently stating the obvious about teenagers, uh, now counts as an act of rebellion. And so the decision to suspend Mr. Gomil goes back to his original hope to deliver his thoughts in a public address. Mr. Gomil reportedly approached the principal with his idea and asked for permission to address the school. This was initially met favorably, especially since the school received much public attention earlier this academic year when administrators noted that many of the female student body, uh, no pun intended it says here, were hiking their kilt skirts too high. Yet another uh, statement of the blindingly obvious, uh, Principal Donna Modesti, uh, amazing, her name is Modesti, eh? Donna Modesti. You can't have any modesty in, the, in this place. According to Mr. Gomil, welcomed the positive nature of Mr. Gomil's message, but not all of it. In the end, Principal Modesty uh, objected to a particular section of Mr. Gomil's letter, which she felt was judgmental. And the part that she thought was judgmental was this. It says, the people in this message concerns are the young women of the school and of the world. In particular, it concerns the silent ones, the intelligent ones, the ones who don't talk about people behind their backs, the ones that don't, that guys don't flock to in droves, the ones that don't dress in revealing clothing, the ones who would like, uh, would love to be in love, and the ones that are continually disappointed in their appearance because the only thing they have to compare themselves to are the women that have been put on pedestals by our society, the models and magazines and stuff like that. This message also concerns those of you who may consider yourselves the so-called opposite to the demographic I just described, the ones who do dress in revealing clothing and the ones who try to fit in with the crowd. So anyway, the principal asked him to change uh, parts of that speech and uh, he didn't go it, so he got suspended for two days. So there's no modesty in the Catholic school anymore if you just happen to. He's not condemning what they're wearing, he's just pointing out uh, basically the moral the moral qualms that they have that will end them in trouble down the road. That's really what it is, without even saying that much. So no modesty there. It's, it's, it's verboten, you see. And and I wonder what Mother Mary would say about that, eh? But anyway, it, it's, it's quite amazing to, to the lens they're pushing uh, now to destroy all uh, vestiges of Christianity, except the Club of Rome, because the Club of Rome now has changed its tax, and it's really bringing out um, a, a new a new agenda. For a lot, the same agenda. But they want to bring all religions on board with them. He says that's what we missed out. That's why we haven't been so successful. And remember, the Club of Rome is the main humanist organization pushing for global change. But they want to bring all religious ones and use them on and get them on board to help green the planet and and change all, etc., etc. So that's their big move now. And they'll get them. They always manage to bribe off the leaders, especially the quack leaders of Christianity, and there's lots of them on television. And once that happens, the flock always follow, unfortunately, and they can't think for themselves. But anyway, the Club of Rome is definitely going to use everything they can now to get their agenda through. Back with more after this. 
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. Just talking about different articles and showing some other sides of the story or, or adding to them really because it's, it's been a war on religion for a long time because you see academia is now up to such a high standard that they've got to be the top gods in this this new world order obviously they'll have no competition and um, they've changed everything too to make everybody all embracing of everything even the things that they, their beliefs tell them and they actually believe themselves is wrong so here's another article here incredible UK public authority Local, local government wants to prohibit God from healing the sick. No kidding. <laughs> it doesn't fit in with Athena's blog, but I thought I should not withhold from the readers the precious newest gem of anti-religious bigotry in the UK. A public authority wants to prohibit Christians to state the, the basic Christian belief that God can heal physical illnesses. Supposedly only doctors can heal illnesses, and even they are not always successful. The addressees of the injunction, a multi-confessional group of Christians from Bath, Somerset, who have been regularly praying for the public uh, outside Bath Abbey for three years, running and offered to pray for people who are sick to receive healing, were told by the British Standards Authority to stop. This is the same bunch probably that got that little autistic child last week there to take his, his, his pirate flag off his fishing rod in his back garden, you know. The British Standards Authority stopped declaring and making public, whether in an open or covert way, the fact that people can be physically healed thanks to prayers, because such statements could mislead vulnerable people to believe that prayer could heal them of something as serious as cancer. It's a corny Christian belief it's not prayer that heals, but it's God, so God's blacklisted, I guess. eh? Listening to the prayers of the faithful may or may not heal, according to what he decides is best for all persons involved. Thus, nobody says that prayer heals, but what all Christians believe is that God has the power to heal. And this is indeed a central tenet of Christian faith. If God were not even able to heal illnesses, how would he be able to create the universe or raise his son from the dead? Such a God would not be God. So anyway, they're going after all this, because they say only science can prevail in this new world order. And we've got to listen to the white-coated priests that we have today. They come out of academia and uh, tell us how to dress for a rainy day. And things like that, you know. Uh, they're very, very important, apparently. And when to put sunburn cream on so that you, can, you won't get sunburn. You know, things like that. Because we're all rather dopey, according to them. We actually, they actually get money for telling us this stuff. Can you believe that? These experts they actually get paid to come on television to, to talk rubbish like that. But, uh, yeah, they're going after every every aspect of all that was. You see, the old traditions, the old societies that gave your culture must be utterly decimated to bring in the new, as you well know. And also, I want to talk about um, this article here. Uh, I've mentioned for years about the, the brutality of bread and circuses. Is they bring us up the next phase. You always get this between changes of orders, you understand? Or they call them ages, of course, and the historians call them ages, and philosophers call them ages. And you always get bring in a decrepit society where you turn sexuality upside down. It's the first thing you see: depravity of all kinds, and then lots of homosexuality, lesbianism, and even in Rome they had to eventually order the nobles to to mate to have children because they were running out of children. It was that bad? <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, they had the, the the circuses going on for the rest of the public, where they watch people getting slaughtered all the time just to pass a nice sunny afternoon. 
and they give them free wine and bread. And in China, it's got the execution factor. It says it was designed as propaganda to deter would-be criminals. Instead, interviews on death row have become China's new television hits. We're going right into all the sci-fi movies that we saw years ago. The Running Man, all these different ones that they put out there uh, to do with the same thing for, for, the, for the cattle out there, the, the general audience. And that's what they're called by the producers um, to, to watch as we get, get more and more debased more jaded with so much entertainment uh, that we, we eventually go into this animalistic state of sitting and watching people get slaughtered. So anyway, it says, with her silk scarves and immaculate makeup, Ding Yu looks very inch the modern television presenter. I wonder who they'll get it for the US, which, which they'll pick. Who could it be? Eh? And it says here, indeed for the past five years, she's hosted a hugely successful primetime show in China, which is a devoted following of 40 million viewers every Saturday night. But while in Britain, uh, the weekend evening entertainment will be the X Factor or Strictly Come Dancing, Ms. Ding's show features harrowing, some would say, voyeuristic footage of prisoners confessing their crimes and begging forgiveness before being led away to their executions. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, the biggest hit in China. The scenes are recorded sometimes minutes before the prisoners are put to death or in other cases when only days of their life remain. The glamorous Ms. Ding, there's sadomasochism right there, you see, conducts face, it's in all the movies, that stuff, face-to-face interviews with the prisoners who've not often committed especially gruesome crimes. Her subjects sit in handcuffs and leg chains guarded by wardens. She, warns, she, she warms up with an antidote question about favorite films or music, but then hectors the prisoners about the violent details of their crimes and eventually wrings apologies out of them. She promises to really final message to family members who are usually not allowed to visit them on death row. And the cameras keep rolling as the condemned say a farewell message and they're led away to be killed by firing squad or lethal injection. And then, of course, they harvest their organs and that goes to big wigs and so on. So I'll put this link up too for those who are probably, there's probably lots of folk interested in that in this day and age because we are really simply emulating ancient Greece and, and Rome at the same time. All, it's all around you. All the same techniques are in, in play to, to bring us all, all down. Last week, too, uh, Geithner was arrested and released. Did you know that? Uh, I'll put this link up tonight and um, you can have a look at that. Uh, and uh, he was sort of arrested and then let go again, but some tampering that he was involved in. And <laughs> this one is, is quite a, a good little thing for Australia. You see, we're getting trained to go into austerity now. You see, it's not that just that the banks crash and the whole bit of money's, money's still flowing around, but they've jacked everything up because the big boys got together in global meetings to, uh, years ago to say that all energy would become a luxury, you see. They won't lose anything, understand, by giving out or producing less power, say electricity, for instance. They won't lose a darn thing. They'll simply put it up eightfold, tenfold for, for, uh, and give you half the usage that you're, you're allowed. Basically, that's how they're, so they'll always be stinking rich at the top. Same with gasoline and everything else. And everything is transported by, by, by gasoline or diesel. It's your foodstuffs, everything have to go up in price as well. So the power of the purse brings you down into poverty, or they call it austerity, where all your cash goes to the very basics in a post-consumerist society, according to the Club of Rome. So it says electricity is set to become a luxury item in Australia. 
and there's Julie Gillard's new pledge to Australians. They, they, they actually should read this. It says, there will be no more affordable electricity under a government I lead. That's their little quip. Uh, and it says, um, it says, electricity generators have warned that they face a cash flow crunch of hundreds of millions of dollars to buy carbon tax permits. This con that's going to put us into the poorhouse, that's its intention though. Austerity is poor. As the latest greenhouse gas emissions figures suggest, almost $4 billion of the $7.7 billion to be raised for the first year of the policy will come from power companies. Data from the Climate Change Department yesterday shows the power generator sector accounted for more than 170 million tonnes of carbon dioxide emissions in the 2010-11 financial year, which could mean a carbon tax bill of $3.9 billion if repeated next year. Two New South Wales state-owned generators, Macquarie Generators and Delta Electricity, were the two biggest emitters in 2010-11, with 20.3 million tonnes and 19.8 million tonnes in CO2 emissions, respectively. They don't even measure that. Here's just somebody's guess. If the same emissions levels were repeated next year, Macquarie would face a carbon tax bill of more than $466 million, and Delta would pay $455 million, based on the government's starting carbon price of $23 a tonne, which starts in July. So... Getting electricity in the future is going to be awfully, awfully, awfully expensive. And the new crime will be stealing electricity and things like that. And we're not kidding you. It will come. It will come. And uh, it's all designed this way to come. This is what this whole farce of carbon tax is about, to bring you into austerity. And more government uh, regulations, more government boards and offices to direct your life in every possible way you can possibly imagine or even not imagined for that matter. They have, they've got great imaginations at the top. Also, I'm putting up the bystander effect. The bystander effect is a, is one of these psychological studies on the general public. They don't know they're being studied, you see. And universities are, are very famous for playing these tricks on the public. They, again, all the data goes to the big think tanks and they use it on the general public. They use a microcosm and then put it onto the microcosm. But this, uh, this one here shows you them making you feel guilty uh, how people react when someone apparently falls down on steps in a busy place. New York it happened to be. And, of course, no one stops to see if they're okay. They just walk over them or walk past them. But it, but it tells you that it's a group mentality. It's a group mentality. Everyone conforms to the group, even though you don't realize it. And, of course... Um, it takes as one to break out of the group and go and see if someone's okay, and, and then the rest will follow that person. And these, it's just, what they're really showing you is the same reason, without saying it, is the same reasons that you vote. Well, because everybody else is voting. <laughs> That's the same thing. They know every darn thing about us. We've been studied minutely, more than any insect or animal on the whole planet, for an awful long time, by university hidden cameras and phony situations. But it works on the masses when you use the same techniques on the masses, you see. They can make you feel guilty, uh, and uh, or they can make you feel proud or whatever. Uh, they can make you feel anything they want you to feel, and, and you will react that way. And Britain is getting madder, madder by the day. You've got all these weirdo people who've gone through academia and now sitting in councillors' jobs. You know where they get to... to we all must feel blind today, like the blind folk do. Let's all put on blindfolds and stumble across a classroom and break your legs and things. These, that kind of people, you see? And they sit in the brainstorm for new ideas to spend your money. 
Here they come out with it. A new weapon has been developed in the war in Britain's litter. Talking garbage bins. It was bad enough that they're chipped and all the rest of it. Talking garbage bins, eh? Remember, you're just an animal in the humanistic uh, philosophy. You're an animal that can be retrained, you see. So, as well as saying thank you when someone dumps in the rubbish, they can also sing opera and ABBA. So they cover all the classes, you see. It gives a round of applause and sometimes even burps for the very, very base, you know, and guys who watch television and things. So, Keep Britain Tidy is running the campaign along with arts organization Sing London. So the garbage bins sing to you, you see. Sing London's director call it Hiller told Sky News its ambition is actually to make people care about the place where they live and we want to do that by using fun as a way to bring the best out in people. This is a person who's gone through all these motivational courses and you do stupid things and you turn around and hug a total stranger next to you. You know, the breeze viruses all over you and all that. Probably had their flu shot and they're shedding viruses everywhere. Crazy. But that's how they are. This is a generation who are in now who've been brought up with this rubbish. You know, you can tell by the, the crooked legs when they broke their legs wearing the blindfolds. Hate speech in Canada. It's a hate speech clause, actually it is. And the Human Rights Act may be history, it says. And it says, um, Mark Lamar leaves a Canadian Human Rights Tribunal hearing into complaint against him in Oakville, Ontario, 2008. The Toronto resident argued that rights legislation aimed at preventing the spread of hate on the internet gags free speech and is unconstitutional. And so it says here, that's the moral. It says that to protect freedom of expression in Canada, sometimes you need a majority government in Ottawa. That's the moral of the story of a conservative backbencher's private member's bill, which has now cleared second reading in the House of Commons and gone to committee, seeking to repeal Section 13 of the Canadian Human Rights Act. Let's recall the exact wording of the infamous clause. It says, hate messages according to Sections 13.1 are communications likely to expose a person or persons to hatred or contempt by reason of the fact that the person or the person's are identifiable on the basis of a prohibited ground of discrimination. That's how it's worded. In other words, if I were to write something critical about Islam, for instance, and say someone reading my column, they wouldn't say any other religion there, like Islam, and someone reading my column felt it likely that my words could provoke contempt towards Muslims, they could lodge a complaint against me with one of Canada's government-created human rights commissions. Truth would not be a defense, neither would it be my intent, and the person complaining wouldn't even have to be a Muslim. Anyway, when you, when you read through the article, uh, what it really comes to is not a kind of hurrah hurrah, you can say what you want. Because this is under a, a kind of a different system, this human rights thing. Because if they want to bring it in, if this goes under, if this wins, they might bring it back in a criminal rights act, you see. Under a criminal act. So this is maybe the, the tact behind it. I have no idea. And it, and it says here, it's a system which is ripe for abuse. And that's exactly what has happened. We've seen comics fined for insulting hecklers, such as the, in the BBC Rights, uh, uh, the BC Rights Tribunal. Former publishers spend $100,000 in legal fees over three years to defend themselves for printing offensive cartoons. And McLean's magazine investigated by three human rights bodies. Uh, for running an article on Muslim demographies in, uh, demographics in Europe. The Conservatives have long opposed Section 13, but didn't feel they had the support they needed for from the other parties as a minority government to push the issue legislatively. 
So as I say, if they scrap it, they might bring it back through the criminal code instead. And um, it says, I'll place a greater burden of proof on complainants. So who knows where that's going. I, I wouldn't hold my breath at all. And free press is to be sacrificed for political retribution. This is from Australia again, I think. It says, it's not the role of government to stand in judgment of public debate. It's not, and then it says, freedom of the media is too important to be controlled by government. The independent media inquiry has proposed just what was expected, an outrageous attack on freedom of speech and the press. In its 470-page report written by inquiry chairman Ray Finkelstein and released on Friday, concludes Australia needs a mandatory news media council. That's what they call for in Britain too, by the way. They call for it across the British Commonwealth a news media council that would have coercive powers to regulate what it deems as fairness, accuracy and balance and equality in the press. It's the same thing across the British Commonwealth. In other words, they want to silence you on certain topics. As long as you're politically correct and go along with everything, you're fine. Since this new independent regulator would have the power to compel newspapers to publish responses from people who feel aggrieved and it would have the power to censor it could, for instance, force media organizations to, to delete stories from their websites and regulators feel uh, aren't, aren't, aren't up to standard. So if you don't go along with the mainstream bigwigs, and they'll always give you a main, main one to follow to give you an idea how to write it, then you'll be censored. That's, that's our wonderful freedoms that we have today. Isn't, we're going towards this bright road of freedom and light, like with more after this break. Hi, folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And the big boys, of course, are who make weaponry are into all kinds of weaponry, even social weaponry. Have lot, many types of social weaponry, actually. But uh, one of them is, because uh, uh, they know there's lots of uh, massive uh, protests to come in up in the future. You ain't seen nothing yet to what's to come. Because I know what they've all planned for you all. But anyway, uh, this one here is made in Japan, I think it is. And it says, ever since humans first invented guns, they've been inventing new uses for them. And it says, but a strange and unsettling new gun has been developed by Japanese researchers, which shoots sound waves in an effort to disrupt and silence anyone who dares speak out of turn. The gun operates based on the concept of delayed auditory feedback. An attached microphone picks up the sound being made by the target and plays it back 0.2 seconds later. Musicians are singers. You always know, you probably had experiences of that too. You start singing some fantastic melody and you've actually been singing Knees Up Mother Brown. It says the effect is incredibly confusing to the human brain, making it all but impossible to talk or hold a conversation. The device doesn't cause the person it's being used on any physical harm. It simply messes with their head. And they've got lots of these kind of things out to mess with your head now. When the human brain hears its own speech perfectly in sync, during normal speech it easily processes the input and allows you to largely ignore the sound of your own voice. However, by offsetting the response just a bit, the brain hears your mouth speaking as well as a strange echo effect produced by the gun. This unusual combination is confusing enough to effectively shut down the part of your brain responsible for managing speech 
and you fall immediately silent. So you imagine that getting used on protests, say they'll be utterly silent in the future. So the first version of the weapon, if you can call it that, we're, we're, uh, says we're dependent on a separate PC to process input and relate back to the speaker. However, the second prototype, and they give you the photographs of it, does away with the need for additional hardware and includes all the necessary processing bits within its casing, making it easily portable. So uh, that will be out there amongst the, the arsenal that cops and that have already, I'm sure, and it will be used profusely along with everything else, the tasers, the just cattle prods, and all the other wonderful things that they plan to do to you. But it's getting really, really bad. Interesting times, certainly, but it's getting really, really bad with uh, what's coming up. It's so obvious uh, that the mess of, uh, that they're getting the world into deliberately to take advantage of the situation, the crisis, to bring us even closer in, into integration. I may have put the link tonight, too, to Mr. Hasse's talk for the CFR on that very topic. He talks about their purpose now is closer integration, integration of the world. He's talking about the entire planet, culturally, every, every way, total integration, monetarily, through the World Bank, IMF, BIS, and uh, a, a common culture, of course, for for everyone across. And of course, classes, your fixed class, the one that you're supposed to be in, is all part of it too. Because guys like Haas will be in the upper echelon who, who will decide what's better for you. Like they all do, you see. They all know what's better for you and how you should behave and think and all the rest of it. They're pretty successful. Talk to the average person out there and they're all pretty uniform on whatever they say. You know. So things are really going crazy, as I say. Uh, by design, and these uh, are things to come. By the way, Iceland's thinking about adopting the Canadian currency, the loony. They must be loony. I should put up that link tonight too, to do with old Canada again, to show you how the Canadian banking system really works. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, where we got 16 inches of snow over the weekend, on top of the snow, uh, it's good night to me. God, God, go with you. <laughs>